right, welcome everybody. Pastor Eli James here, along with Dan from Georgia, and we're going to be starting Ecclesiastes. Uh, more books by Solomon, although it is contested that Solomon is actually the author. Uh, it's based on the first verse of the uh, first chapter, uh, but there's still uh, some people who disagree that Solomon is the author. So we're going to read a, l- a brief introduction here, and this is from infoplease.com, and it's about the book of Ecclesiastes. Take it over, Dan. Okay. Who wrote Ecclesiastes? The author of Ecclesiastes is attributed to Koheleth, which means preacher or teacher in Hebrew, hence the narrator being referred to as the teacher. Tradition holds that Koheleth is King Solomon, renowned for his wisdom and wealth. However, according to Zondervan Academic, some scholars question this claim. Academic sites cite stylistic and linguistic differences between Ecclesiastes and other works attributed to Solomon, such as Proverbs and Song of Songs, also known as the Song of Solomon. Nevertheless, the authorship of Ecclesiastes remains a subject of debate and mystery, as we will likely never know for sure. When was the book of Ecclesiastes written? Scholars date this book, Bible book, to approximately the 10th century B.C., if it was penned by the son of King David, Solomon. However, if it was not written by him, it could have been composed even later. As such, the book has been a subject of debate among scholars, with some questioning its authorship and others its inclusion in the biblical canon. Despite this, it has remained a popular and influential work throughout history. During the Hellenistic period, the book of Ecclesiastes was translated into Greek and became part of the Septuagint, a Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. It was also included in the canon of the Old Testament by the early Christian church. In the Middle Ages, the book was studied by Jewish and Christian scholars who interpreted it in various ways. Some saw it as a work of skepticism and pessimism, while others found in it a message of hope and faith. Now it's interesting in the, modern era. The, the skepticism and pessimism that's why a lot of people think it's actually Greek what was that school of uh, Greek philosophy uh, skepticism right skepticism and, and even worse uh, there's uh, those who say that, that life is meaningless and worthless right well I mean this is kind of what the book of Ecclesiastes is about although with the qualification that unless you have a relationship with Yahweh, Life is meaningless. All right, back to you. Definitely. Mm -hmm. In the modern era, the book of Ecclesiastes has continued to be a source of inspiration for writers and thinkers. Its themes of mortality, the search for meaning, and the limitations of human knowledge and power are still relevant today. What is the book of Ecclesiastes about? The book of Ecclesiastes is a book of philosophical and theological reflections that explore the nature of human existence and the meaning of life. It is a meditation on the fleeting and unpredictable nature of worldly pursuits, pleasures, and achievements, and a call to embrace the fear of God and obedience to his commandments as the foundation of true happiness and purpose. Ecclesiastes is structured around a recurring refrain. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, which expresses the futility and emptiness of human endeavors that are not grounded in God's wisdom and eternal perspective. Another famous verse from the books of the Bible includes Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build which is a devotional exhortation that everything has its season, just like the sun rises and sets. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season. That's what that song is based on, Book of Ecclesiastes. It is. It comes straight from Ecclesiastes. That's right. Uh, We wanted to go go through this. Yeah, just this this last subheading here, yeah. The meaning of vanity of vanities. Okay. Yeah. Okay, the meaning of vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities is a recurring refrain in Ecclesiastes that expresses the futility and emptiness of human endeavors 
that are not grounded in God's gift of wisdom and eternal perspective. It is a poetic way of saying that all human efforts to find meaning and purpose apart from God are ultimately in vain and meaningless. Uh, second that. I would agree with that. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to disagree with that. I mean, yeah, go ahead. All, I mean, well, I just can say, you know, all the all the good and bad and everything in between in this world is just temporary. It's That's all as the as it says, it's all vanity and it's fleeting. Um, and the real world is after this one. The real our real lives start after this this one. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, what's the corollary to that? Uh, there, there's nothing fair in this life. If, if you expect fairness and justice in this life, you're asking for too much. Our purpose as Israelites is to prepare ourselves for the kingdom, right? To prepare. Yep. And all the striving that we do, well, we, we want to obviously have a, a decent household, uh, a decent lifestyle, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's, it really does not, uh, there's no way, especially with the Jews running the show, there's really no way for us to get, have what a, what's called happiness. Happiness? What's that? Okay. That's uh, something mm-hmm. that happens once or twice a day, right? And the rest <laughs> of the time is struggle, 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 and more struggle. You got to feed the goats. You got to milk the cows. You got to f- buy a... Uh, propane to heat your trailer all that kind of stuff it's work doesn't it go back to the uh book of genesis where it says the white race will uh, exist by the sweat of our brows yeah work 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 absolutely that's what it's all about it's a punishment go ahead well i I still believe in in the next world when when you're always in charge we're still going to be working but it's going to be fair we're not going to be getting ripped yeah. off every which way we turn by yeah. Jews who are running the show, you know, because they won't be in charge anymore. Yeah, yeah the disease will be cured. The disease, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. The disease will be cured at the judgment day. And actually, this reminds me, because uh, uh, I was watching a little bit of the, the highlights of the football game in Kansas City, and uh, the, Taylor Swift was in the audience, okay, and Taylor Swift, uh, if I don't, I don't think she's uh, sung any biblical songs, <laughs> but uh, uh, there's a romance between her and the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, and the commentators were saying, well, uh, d- this game has uh, really high ratings, but as soon as they started showing Taylor Swift in the booth, because she's uh, in, in the family booth for uh, uh, for what's his name? Who's the tight end for? Uh, Travis Kelsey. Travis Travis Kelsey, right. So he and Travis, she, wait a minute, did I, did I make a Freudian slip? <laughs> <laughs> well, she, you might be talking about it. <laughs> she and Travis are a thing, right? And speaking about unbelievable wealth, Taylor Swift, she has all this money and she still isn't happy. She needs to find love. Right? She's got a love interest in her life, which apparently she's been lacking. And Travis Kelsey uh, uh, rounds out her life. Put it that way. Okay? So so we'll see. We'll see how long that lasts. Because typically, uh, marriages between very wealthy people and very famous people don't last very long. Okay? So... We'll keep you apprised, folks. <laughs> we, we need to do a, a gossip uh, show on Eurofolk Radio and increase listenership. All right. So, yeah, so the, the ratings for the, that's, that, that show, that f- football game, jumped dramatically once they started showing Taylor Swift. I bet people, hey, Taylor Swift's on the football game. Can you believe it? Yeah, yeah she's going to sing a halftime sh- a song, right? Okay, so enough of this uh, useless chatter. <laughs> let's get into <laughs> let's get into Ecclesiastes, the, the book of wisdom. All right, over to you. Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse one: the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. <clears throat> vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity meaning it's all fleeting. It's all temporary in this world. Mm-hmm. What profit has a man of all his labor, which he takes under the sun? 
one generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. Oh, I, I, the sun I forgot. Also arises. Uh, sorry to interrupt here, but I think that school of philosophy of, among the Greeks is called pessimism. Pessimism, They're very pessimistic about the, the meaning of life, even though uh, at, at that time Greece was a, a relatively stable country, right? Nevertheless, uh, the Greek philosophers, who were basically Israelites uh, and didn't know it, uh, were very pessimistic about life without uh, life without meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, our search for meaning. Now it's interesting, Dan, that the other races do not have this issue about the meaning of life. They don't. They just go out about mm-hmm. their business, and you know they look for food. They they do their. They don't work as hard as we do, like the rice paddies in China. Uh, mm-hmm. They just do enough to have a hut in the jungle, right? And uh, and rice and grow rice and have a, a little bit of chicken to go with the rice. But they don't have this intense desire for finding the meaning of life. They, they certainly blacks don't have it. And that's why uh, you have the su- highest suicide rate among white males, because at current levels, there is no meaning to their lives, our lives, under current political and economic conditions. It doesn't mm-hmm. affect others. You, you, you don't have a suicide rate among the other races, because they don't have this intense desire for meaning, to find the meaning of life. All right, back to you. Okay. Uh, let's see. I was on verse four. I'm on verse five. The sun arises and the sun goes down and hasteth, hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns about unto the north. It whirls about continually and the wind returns again according to his circuits. Oh, oh wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, that's the hydrologic cycle. That's a scientific statement, folks. It's telling us that the water in the ocean evaporates, goes into the sky, forms clouds, and rains on the dirt, <laughs> on, the, on the continents, and then that rain turns into rivers that goes back into the ocean. That is a perfect description of the hydrologic cycle. Don't tell me the Bible isn't scientific. It absolutely is scientific. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, now, there's no way Solomon... Even in his wisdom, could have uh, you know figured that out. That was an inspired statement here. All right, back to you. Verse seven: All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. Amen. 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 Very good. These two verses are yep. very powerful in uh, de- declaring the hydrologic cycle. Very good. Yep. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that has been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It has already been, (laughs) it has been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. The preacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail has God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. Ah. For in wisdom is much grief. Oh, there and you he go. That increases knowledge, increases sorrow. Yeah. So because, in yeah. some cases, ignorance is bliss, is what he's saying. Yeah, that's right. Ignorance is bliss. And uh, but there's actually so few people who have a philosophical mindset, and those who do, as this verse says, in much wisdom is grief. 
because yeah. they're not, hardly anybody's interested in wisdom. <laughs> they just want to, hey, uh, what's the uh, what's the value of the lottery today? Oh, fifteen trillion dollars. Oh, go out, run out, and get your lottery ticket, right? And uh, everybody is focused on. Well, I can't say they're trivial. It's not always trivial. But the daily concerns, and there's little reflection, despite the fact that our people have this wonderful book called the Bible, mm-hmm. there is very little philosophical thinking going on. Yeah, you were going to say something there. Yeah, I said we have this book. It's just that they don't read it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Most people. And, and the temptations, you know. yeah, the temptations of the flesh, of money, of, uh, you know, gambling, right, alcohol, you name it. All of these things are distractions away from our true purpose in life, and I'm I'm talking about the Adamites, is to uh, conform ourselves with Yahweh by obeying his laws. Even in the churches, they don't talk about that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the churches are just another form of lottery. <laughs> Which church should I go to to get saved? I have no idea. Which is the best church? You know? And so uh, the Seventh-day Adventists have their program. The Baptists have their program. Uh, none of these churches agree with each other as what the best program is. But it's right there in the Bible. But what they do is they focus on, they have their pet uh, sermons, they have their pet verses, and then the other denominations have their pet sermons and pet verses. Uh, very few teach the whole Bible. Very few. Okay. You got that right. I can remember, <laughs> and I never I never grew up in any church when I was a kid, but I can remember the few times we did go to churches. We went to Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, all that. You may hear two or three verses the whole time you're there in the church, and you uh-huh. never really learned anything. Right. And I always remember walking away saying, is that what this is all about? Is that what God is all about? I mean, right. we got this whole book, but we don't. I don't learn anything. I don't know anything. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> because the pastors don't know anything, right? <laughs> vanity, 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 the pulpits, right? And then you yeah. got Joel Osteen uh, preaching sermons about how geese love each other, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right, we we should take that example. We should love each other like geese love each other. But hey, wait a minute, that's a species. That's intra species love and concern. You know, like uh, if there's a wounded geese or goose rather, then the two other geese will try to you know, comfort that goose to whatever extent they can. Right? Well, yeah, we should love our own species. He didn't mention the fact that the geese are our particular species. Geese don't do that for ducks. <laughs> or, or or Jayhawks, right? Mm-hmm. They only do it for other geese. There's a lesson right. there. All right, back to you. Kind after kind, right? There you go. Yep. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said in my heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of mirth. <laughs> What does it do? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made great works. Yeah, okay. I'm beginning to see the pattern here. So we don't know how old Solomon was when he. Yeah, so the the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom and good advice, right? The mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes is more about what do, <laughs> excuse me, what do people do with this wisdom and good advice, which is nothing, right? They, they throw it all away. Mm-hmm. And here he says, uh, "Okay, uh, let me try. Maybe maybe there's fulfillment in wine." Okay, that that's until you get sick and have to throw up, right? <laughs> and, and wake up in the gutter covered in vomit, right? That's what that's what alcoholism is all about. So it, it seems to me that Solomon Solomon is becoming a pessimist. This has to be mm-hmm. like his in his middle age time, where uh, he is uh, becoming a pessimist because. He sees that the wisdom that he is famous for 
uh, has not been followed by anybody, now including himself. He's become uh, a, a, a pessimistic person. That's mm-hmm. what the, these verses tend to reflect. Yeah, please continue. Yeah, he's saying, you know, he's done all these things. Um, he's made great works. He's built houses. He's um, made gardens and orchards, and it's all just vanity. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Verse 4, I made me great works. I built my houses. I planted my vineyards. I made gardens and orchards. I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made pools of water to water therewith the, that wood that brings forth trees. I got my servants and maidens, and I had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Okay, so we so, have to see that Solomon, uh, there's, a, there's a proverb that wasn't, wasn't written by Solomon, and it goes something like, if it comes too easy then you don't appreciate it. If you have mm-hmm. to work really hard for something, then you appreciate it. And it all came too easily for Solomon. All right? Uh, uh, to put it bluntly, it's, uh, the proverb is, stay hungry. Stay hungry. Mm-hmm. Okay? And if you have, have to keep striving and working for something to, to keep your you know, consciousness focused on the, the big task at hand and not get bored... Okay, it seems to me that Solomon got really bored being king and having everything come so easily to him. All right, uh, how do you think? Uh, you think yeah, uh, well, like, yeah. Well, he was the richest, richest yeah. person in the world. Right. You remember the uh, the Queen of Sheba brought him what six hundred and sixty six talents of gold. Wow, Solomon. Yeah, and so he had all the money in the world. He could do whatever he wanted, anytime he wanted. And most of us look at that as, "Wow, I would love to be able to do that." Right. But that's going to get old after a while. Right. You may not think that because we don't we don't have that much money, so it's hard for us to relate. But when you've got that much money and everything comes that easily to you, it's going to get boring, and it's going to just nothing's going to never going to be enough you know you're never going to have enough right you know yeah um, yeah uh, maybe one of his wives just turned out to be a downer <laughs> well that's another thing he had a thousand wives oh man and, and you know yeah. one's not say, enough well, how could that be true well because the bible considers whenever a man and a woman have sex that they are married <laughs> in god's eyes so, right there's no doubt in my mind that Solomon had no problem at all having sex with a thousand women because he had all that money. He had, yeah. you know, he had he was he was the wealthiest man in the world, richest man in the world. So, yeah. But anyway, the bottom line is you, you can have all the money in the world. But if you don't have Yahweh, you don't have God. You know, you really don't have anything in the yeah. long run. There was a great episode of oh, what was the uh, Rod Serling? What what was his uh, uh, show? That uh, science fiction show by Rod Serling. Oh yeah, I know what uh, you're talking about, yeah. but I can't remember the name. Yeah, of it. Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone. Twilight. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Now one episode was this guy uh, was a um, he was a uh, a crook a crook and and uh, all of a sudden he finds himself. In uh, in paradise, okay, and uh, everything he did while he was in paradise came really easy, you know. So he had all the women he wanted, he had all the money he wanted, but he had never uh, never shot a game of pool, right? So he had uh, he had the guy rack up the pool table, and his first shot, all all fifteen balls went into pockets, 
right? All 15 balls. And he said, okay, this is too easy. Let me try that again. So he racked him up again. Mm-hmm. He shot the cue ball. All 15 balls went into the pockets, right? He got tired of winning. There's no challenge. We, white people, mm-hmm. need to have a challenge. We can't be happy without a challenge and overcoming. That's what our mm-hmm. our race needs to be overcomers. And if we've overcome and there's no challenge left, we get bored and we sink into depravity. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the lesson of Ecclesiastic. Solomon is a perfect you know, how many times have you read stories of very, very famous people, even rock and roll bands, you know, millions of dollars, you know, partying, uh, you know, everything they could possibly want, and they just throw it all away on drugs. Yeah, you know, end up broke. Yeah, and yeah. end up broke. Yeah. And uh, basketball players, you name it, baseball, they all wind up, you know, not all of them, but, some, but certainly some of them do. But uh, you know, you got to have a purpose and a, a plan for your life. If you don't have that and all you're concerned about is material wealth, then you're going to sink into that mire, into that muck. That's, what, that's what's well, going to happen. Well, you know, I think, I think the same thing happened to Solomon's father, King David, you know, when he got in that trouble with Bathsheba. I think he just right. had too much time on his hands. Right, yeah. Hey, let's have another war. <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep me occupied, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, white people especially need to have a challenge, need to have a purpose in life. I think that's the basic, and this, this only applies to white people, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, well, actually, now, now in, for example, in um, there's only one other race that has this kind of uh, trouble, and that is the Japanese. But the Japanese uh, do it because they place such high standards on their children going to school, okay? And sometimes uh, a son or daughter just doesn't measure up to the parents' high standards, and those children wind up committing suicide. The Japanese have the second highest rate of suicide after the white race, and that's because it's a cultural thing with them. Okay, high expectations of the parents on the children, but for us, it's it's psychological, it's a uh, genetic that we need to have a challenge, and we can't be focused on material things. We have to be focused on Yahweh, obeying His law, and preparing ourselves for the kingdom. And if we fail at that, then uh, but then we're real, total failures, <laughs> right? And we're going to fail yeah. a lot of times, but we have to keep our eye on the prize. Yeah, back to you. Yeah, well, yeah, because this this. This life is so short. I mean, we're talking a hundred years here, if we're lucky, compared to the eternity. Yeah, right. You know, you got to live for for the for the world that's to come, not not this world. Yeah. This is just temporary, just transitory. So the, this is, in fact, we, we're going to get into the lamentations later, but I think this is the middle stage of Solomon's life, where you know it has all come too easy for him. And now he's wondering, well, what's the purpose of life? Uh, you know, uh, I never had to struggle to get anything. I asked Yahweh for wisdom. He gave me wisdom. Now what am I going to do with it? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't look to the kingdom. It's obvious. He got, uh, he got enamored of all these wives. Uh, he got yeah. bored with all his wealth. Wow. Wow. This, this is really a sad. Yeah, he had it all and lost it all. And, and he literally became, had everything. The world at his yeah, fingertips. Amen. All right, the vanity of living wisely. Now, wait a minute. Wisdom is vain? Let's see what he has to say next. Verse verse 12, And I turn myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. (laughs) For what can the man do that comes after the king? Even that which has been already done. Then I saw that wisdom excels folly, as far as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And I perceived also that one event happens to them all. Then I said in my heart, as it happened to the fool, so it happens even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how die, How dies the wise man as the fool? 
Yeah. yeah. Therefore, Body's right. I hated life. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait a minute. I hated what says this sonne to hate personally, uh, to hate an enemy or a foe, uh, to hate generally, odious, utterly. Yeah, he really became a pessimist. Yeah. Absolutely did. Please Sounds like he's to... going through a bit of depression. Yeah, uh, he is. Yeah. See, all, all that wealth and, and money and uh, possessions wound up being nothing because he, he needed to wait to – he needed to stay focused on the kingdom, and he didn't. All right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Therefore, I hated life because yeah. the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is va- vanity and vexation of spirit. Wow, yeah, he's depressed. Hey. He, 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 give him some Valium. <laughs> <Right? laughs> oh, that drug him up real good these days. With the, oh, man. Yeah, and then the, the Valium will make him even more depressed and he needs to get an upper. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Oh, then cocaine and uh, uh, LSD. Yeah, that'll make life interesting. Yeah, and then he won't be able to get to sleep, so they have to give him something to get him to sleep. <laughs> right. <then>. Sleeping pills, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's that's the modern circus of allopathic medicine, folks. Yeah, because I was talking last night about you know I did a show about health and how um, prednisone is a really good drug for killing pain because it's an anti-inflammatory. But if mm-hmm. you give people too much prednisone, they have hallucinations. Their skin begins to crawl. And then what does the doctor do? He prescribes something to uh, counteract the effect of the prednisone instead of taking you off prednisone, right? Yeah. Oh, so the treadmill. Counteracting the bad effects of one drug with with yeah. another drug, and then you'll have to counter the bad effects of that drug yeah. with another drug, and it just goes on and on and on. Right. And then you've and got it, this long laundry list of medications that you're taking. Right to your grave. Yep. Yeah. Or to the hospital yep. uh-huh. until until your insurance money runs out, and then you <laughs> yeah. die. Right. Yeah, vanity. That's <laughs> how it's right about all yeah. that. All right. Please continue. Verse 18. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. Ooh. And who knows whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Yeah, didn't his Therefore, son try? I, didn't his son try to kill him? You know, that that Solomon's happened. Son? Yeah, as I recall, but uh, I maybe uh, missed it. Yeah, but nevertheless, here he's now. He's even worried whether his son, his heirs, will you <laughs> fritter all his wealth away? Right? Uh, I wouldn't even worry about that. Right? That, that's their problem. Yeah. <laughs> right? Now he's he's starting to he's becoming a worry wart. All right. And for what? He, yeah, you for know, what? He's got all this. He's got everything. Yeah. He still just finds more to be unhappy about and more to worry about. Is this what happens to all rich people? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, if that's the case, I don't want to be rich. All right. Yeah. All right. Therefore, I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a wise, there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that has not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. There is also vanity and a great evil. For what has man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he has labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrows and his tra- travail grief. Yea, his heart takes not rest in the night. This is also vanity. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy in his enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. For who can eat and who else can hasten hereunto more than I? For God gives to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he gives travail, to gather and to heap up, that he may give to him that is good before God. 
This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Okay, he's, he's becoming uh, well, the wisdom of the philosopher. Okay, it, it looks to me like he, he's at a stage where he's beginning to abandon Yahweh, and the uh, the the purpose we have, we as Israelites have in this world, and he's forgetting about that. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and so he's becoming depressed. You, you nailed it. He's this is all of the the reflections of someone who's deeply depressed about life okay and what is depression but you know just it's a state of mind snap out of it <laughs> mm -hmm. get busy do something productive and this is white pipe what white people have to do to do something productive the other races don't need to be have a productive life to be happy you know they're just happy existing okay as long mm -hmm. as they have three hots and a cot as we used to say in the military you got three hots and a cot you're happy but that doesn't work for white people. We have to have more. All right, please continue. Chapter 3. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up which that which is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A mm. time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. And as we mentioned earlier, this comes from that that famous song, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds. Right. Came out, yeah. I think that was in the 60s, wasn't it? Right, yeah. Uh, th that's the song that actually uh, converted folk music into folk rock. Up until that point in time, folk music and rock and roll were like two separate genres. And there were purists who said, no, no, folk music shouldn't uh, go with rock and roll. But that's uh, when the birds recorded that song, that changed everything. It, t it turned folk music into folk rock. And then a lot of rock mm -hmm. bands just recorded folk songs. Uh, a complete change in the culture. All right, back to you. It was a good song, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Came, well, came, you know, came straight from the Bible. Uh, I think it was... Uh, uh, who was it? Was a folk uh, a folk artist who uh, <laughs> he was, uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, his publisher said you've done all these negative uh, songs, you know, about you know, the, the fact that uh, I think he was actually a communist uh, who was writing songs about you know the the evils of society and oppression and uh, you know, left wing stuff. It was all left wing stuff, and so his publisher told him. Hey, why don't you do a positive song for once, <laughs> right? <laughs> so positive, what do you mean? I'm a protest, I write protest songs. People are getting bored with your protest songs. Do something positive. And so he wrote Turn, Turn, Turn. That's okay. how that song came about. His publisher told him to, to change his tune, <laughs> all right? Okay. And, and, and an interesting verse is uh, verse 8 where it says, you know, a lot of these modern-day churches, they just teach this, this syrupy, sweet message of love, love, love. Oh, right. Love oh, yeah. Right. That's not what the Bible says. It says there's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a, like it says, a time for everything. That's right. Yeah. And don't don't get uh, well that that great poem by Rudyard Kipling. Uh, don't get uh, don't get too depressed when things go wrong. Don't get too happy when things go right. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, like like we say in Chicago, if you don't like the weather, wait a few minutes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Leonard Cohen. No, I'm sorry, Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger. Who? Pete Seeger. Who's that? Uh, uh, that? He's the guy who wrote that song, Turn, Turn, Turn. Oh, he wrote he wrote Turn, Turn, Turn. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right, back to you. Yeah, you said Leonard Cohen, I thought. 
Yeah, it yeah, he was like a Jew. Would write that song. No, Jew, <laughs> Jews don't write uh, positive songs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right. Verse nine. What profit has he that works in that wherein he labors? I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He has made everything beautiful in his name. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God makes from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatsoever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God does it that men should fear before him. That which has been is now, and that which is to be had with and that which is to be has already been. And God requires that which is past. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, but there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. There you go. More more I, words taken for that song. Yep. Yeah. And there's also that uh, by Kansas, uh, Dust in the Wind. Everything oh, yeah. is dust in the wind. Good stuff. All yeah. we are is dust in the wind. <laughs> That's right. Okay. If we take ourselves too seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them, and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Every one thing befalls them. As the one dies, so dies the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man has no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go into one place. All are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. There you go. There's your song mm-hmm. right there. All right. Yeah. Who knows the spirit of man that goes upward? and the spirit of the beast that goes downward to the earth. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works. There you go. For that is the portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Okay. Accomplishment. Uh, overcoming challenges. Overcoming period, right? Overcoming mm-hmm. evil, right? This is... This is what we white people are supposed to be doing is making the world a better place. That is the challenge. But too many people, when they, when they find out how difficult it is, they give up, right? However, there's a, even in rock and roll, there's a good stories. Uh, Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. Or, yeah, Megadeth. Uh, he had a religious conversion. And uh, he, uh, you know, he was into Satanism. And he, he he had a conversion. Uh, who else? Oh, the lead guitarist for Kansas. Can't think of his name. He had a religious conversion, and that led to his their biggest song, "Carry On, Wayward Son." That was after their lead guitarist had a conversion to Christianity. Their their music increased. You know, the the songs that they wrote after that were way better than the songs before. Okay. So there mm-hmm. are there are positive stories you know out there about people going the other direction, you know, uh, be, becoming very positive after a religious conversion. Back to you. Kansas wrote "Dust in the Wind" as well. That's right. They wrote "Dust in the Wind." Yeah, G- great stuff. Their first three albums were really kind of boring, but then uh, then the lead guitarist was inspired to write "Carry On, Wayward Son," and even did a uh, interview saying he had a religious. He became a Christian. And uh, mm-hmm. that, and then the quality of the music it improved dramatically, very dramatically. Okay. All right. So, so don't give up hope, folks. Uh, there are good, <laughs> there are good, uh, good stories here as well. All right. Yeah. Well, chapter four. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power. 
but they had no comforter. Wherefore, I praise the dead, which are already dead, more than the living, which are yet alive. <laughs> yeah. The walking is- dead, right? <laughs> the zombies, <laughs> especially those on, on, on prednisone and Prozac, etc. <laughs> I mean, t- well, even the Rolling Stones wrote a song about that, Mother's Little Helper, right? Oh, is that, is yeah. that about drug use? Yeah, it's about uh, uh, mothers... Uh, taking drugs, you know, being prescribed drugs by their doctor and wasting their lives away, right? Mother's oh, a little helper. Okay. That's, uh, I guess, uh, I guess the, the the lead singer had a mother like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't remember okay. that that song. Yeah, I wasn't for listening much to the. To the yeah, Stones. I'm not. I wasn't much of a Stones fan either, but uh, that you know, I, I like the social commentary in some of their songs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Three, yea, better is he than both they, which have not yet been, who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. Again, I considered all travail and every right work for for that for this is for this a man is envied of his neighbor. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. The fool folds his hands together. And eats his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. Yeah, you'll get ulcers. <laughs> if you if you worry about other people's wealth and other people's, uh, you know, what do you call it, uh, fame and fortune, right? Don't worry about keeping it. Up Just, with the, keeping yeah, up keep, with the Joneses. Yeah, know? it causes ulcers, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then I returned and I saw vanity under the sun. Mm, mm. There, there is one alone and there is not a second. Yea, he has neither child nor brother. Yet is there no end of all his labor? Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither says he, for whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? This is also vanity. Yea, it is a sore travail. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. For out of prison he comes to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becomes poor. I considered all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. There is no end of all the people, even of all that have been before them. They also that come after shall not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Oh, Salomio. <laughs> to be alone. Now, now, what is the uh, saying about kings? Restless lies the head that wears the crown. And uh, But he had nothing to fear. There was no, uh, no. no army attacking him. He had peace his whole his whole reign. He was, yeah, he, he had peace. Yeah, yeah. So even peace can be a vexation if you let it be a vexation, right? Sinking into a yeah. He had yeah. mental problems. There's no doubt. The, there was something going on there that uh, you know, maybe it was uh, he was drinking from a lead cup. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there you know because that's what they say that all the Caesars were gone mad because they're lead poisoning, right? So uh, hard to say what turned turned him from a worshiper of Yahweh to a broken spirit, mm-hmm. to a broken spirit. And that, that there's there's so many interesting verses here that have uh, are, are inspiration for songs, right? You know, like uh, even here, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's fascism, folks. 
the fascisti, when you uh, have uh, bundle up a bunch of sticks into one, it's much stronger than the, than the single stick, right? So you have the, uh, the, the, the philosophy of fascism here, right? And you have loneliness. How many songs? <laughs> Only the lonely, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many rock songs, uh, music, uh, and poetry coming out of uh, th- this book of Ecclesiastes. It's unbelievable, right? Basically, it's all there. It's all here. If you want to write a song, for all of you songwriters who have writer's block, just open up Ecclesiastes and just pick a verse, right? And uh, it'll, the song will write itself from that moment on. Please continue. Chapter 5. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, mm. and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Mm. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. For a dream comes through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. Mm. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Amen. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than thou should vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also diverse vanities. But fear thou God. If thou see the oppression of the poor, and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter. For he that is higher than the highest regards, and there be higher than they. Moreover, the profit of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver. For he that loves abundance with increase, this is also vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. (laughs) There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begets a son, and there is nothing in his hand. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he that has labored for the wind? All his days also he eats in darkness, and he has much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink, and to enjoy the good of his all his labor that he takes under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth, and has given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he shall not shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answers him in the joy of his heart. Okay, so we have all this wisdom that Solomon grew up with, and it seems to me that I think probably what began turning Solomon into a pessimist was probably the fact that uh, his assistants were probably stealing from him. Uh, they were stabbing him in the back, you know, instead of being, uh, you know, faithful to him. You know, all the things that a king or queen has to go through in life were probably starting to get to him at this point. Okay, 
So that's uh, I'm yeah. just guessing that that's what took place. It probably did. Well, that makes a lot of sense yeah. because someone with that much money, you know, there's a lot of people who are envious or jealous of him, and they're going to, you know, they think people being like they are think that more money they have is going to make them happier. So, right. you know, they wanted to get some of that wealth that he had, you know, uh, yeah. so they stole from him. I right. No doubt. Yeah. That's probably a fact. Yeah. And, and his opinion of human nature <laughs> began to decline precipitously, right? Yeah. So I, I, I don't have one honest advisor in the lot, right? Well, what should I do with these people? They advise me horribly, you know. Well, he doesn't need any advice, right? He's the, he had the wisdom that Yahweh gave him. But still, that doesn't provide happiness. So the, you, you have to imagine that he became very lonely in, in yeah. his old age, right? Well, you know the old saying, it's lonely at the top, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and even with all that wisdom, he still became very lonely. One more anecdote here, because we're running out of time. The, the, the disconnect between folk music and rock and roll was very great, but the birds, again, they, they were the ones who broke the, the mold. And uh, it was a Dylan song, uh, uh, Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, okay? And uh, when the birds recorded it, actually, Bob Dylan was present. And they, they gave it this uh, great intro, guitar intro, and turned it into a, a sl- soft rock song, right? And he said, hey, I like that. Go for it, right? And so their version of the song sold millions where Dylan's version hardly sold any. But And then when Dylan started playing the song that way, his audience booed him. That, no, we want folk music. We don't want rock and roll, right? So it shows you the clash of cultures there that was created in music between folk and rock and roll, and it got blended together in folk rock, right? And then, boy, then every artist under the sun became a folk rock artist, right? So you can see how the culture changes. All right, folks, well, I think uh, enough of uh, my reminiscing about rock and roll. <laughs> and, that was and, interesting, though. I didn't know all that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a historian of, uh, of music as well. And uh, that, that's a major change. To me, the first rock and roll song was Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and the Comets, right? And that was that was a bona fide rock and roll song that had no intention of being a folk song, right? And then uh, they were a one-hit wonder, but, uh, you know, that, that's the one, that's the song that started it all. So anyway, folks. That, that song was the intro to uh, that, that show Happy Days that used to come oh, on. Oh, the- Okay. Yeah. That I watched in the 70s back when I was just a kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you had the motorcycle crowd, you know, and the leather jackets and all that. You know, boy, what a drastic change in culture from the 50s to the 60s. Drastic. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We're reminiscing about <laughs> our culture <laughs> and uh, anticipating the, the major change to come at the Judgment Day. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. See you next week. See you next week, everybody. Bye-bye.